This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Welcome back to the Build a Better Us podcast. The president of Build a Better Us, B.J. Thompson, and licensed therapist, John J.P. Parker, are about to discuss spiritual, relational, and personal development from a refreshing perspective. Be sure to stay tuned to the end to find out how you can become a part of the BBU Nation. But for now, we hope you enjoyed this conversation with BJ and JP. Hello, everybody. I'm John Parker. And I'm BJ Thompson. And this is the Build a Better Us podcast. Today, we're talking about when you stayed in something a little bit longer than you should have. We're titling it Relational Overstay or Overstaying Your Relationship. Yeah. <laughs> and when it's time to leave. Go ahead. <laughs> when it's time to go, man. The bad part about life is some people just don't realize when they've been around too long. It's the go home, Roger. You, you remember that, sister, sister? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Some people are not old enough to remember that. Help our listeners over under 25 know what the go home Roger means. Yeah, there were there were two twins, Tia and uh, T- Tia and Tamara. Yeah, T- Tamara. Tia and Tamara, yeah, yeah, Tamara. Uh, Lowry. And uh, they had a TV show uh, called Sister, Sister. They were raised independently by two sets of parents who didn't know that they were twins, and they ran into each other one day. And then they decided to live together, which was, I guess, kind of normal, maybe-ish, I think. Maybe. I could have completely made up that background, but I'm pretty sure that's how the TV show went. But they had a friend uh, who overstayed. Speaking of overstaying, um, his name was Roger. He lived next door. I don't know which one he liked, but I think he liked them both. And at times when it was time for him to go and he didn't realize it was time for him to go, they hit him with that. Go home, Roger. And uh, Go home, Roger. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, you all may be listening and not know it's time for you to go home, Roger, but we're here to tell you it's time to go home. Yeah, I, I remember um, there was, you know, growing up, um, I grew up in an era where you had to share pants. I don't know if you remember this. <laughs> you didn't have enough pants. And, um, you know, I had a younger brother. He was not as big as me at the time. He's now, you know, 6'4", much taller, stronger, better looking, all those things. You know? All right, right. But <laughs> I remember we had to share pants. And you would know when it was time to get new pants when you would get what we call the flood. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you have been wearing those pants so long. You thought, oh, this is going to work out. And then one day you look up and where your the, the bottom of your jean was coming to the top of your shoe. Mm. It was now at the top of your ankle. Mm. Right. Yeah. That's what we call the flood. OK. Yeah. 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 Same Moses. This is this is your pants. <laughs> These are your actual pants. Right. <laughs> and that's an overstay. Right. An overstay. If by definition is when you stay too long in something that you're accustomed with, um, you, you you now what was helpful is now harmful to you. JP, what are some examples in your life? You know, because this is a safe place for us to, to talk. <laughs> what are some examples of your life where you realize, oh, wait, I might be in overstay mode right now, sir. I've overstayed 
friendships. I've overstayed <laughs> jobs. I've overstayed uh, houses of worship. Uh, and I've wow. definitely overstayed personal relationships. One in particular, you know, again, the low, low hanging fruit is always, you know, romantic relationships. Relationships, always. You know? Always. I was a girl involved. Go ahead. Right, right. <laughs> um, but, yeah. you know, for the sake of being vulnerable, I'll go there. I was okay. in a, it was probably a solid, it wasn't necessarily a situationship. It was probably a relationship, but it it just was had a semblance of a situationship for probably okay. maybe like two years. And then it was probably two or three years after that where it was off and on, right? And the reason in my mind, so I don't know if the, the listeners watch Insecure, the HBO TV show, but there's a character named Lawrence. And, and he was in a relationship, broke up, got another relationship. And the girl called him an F-boy that thought he was a nice guy. So he, he was an F boy, but he thought he was a nice guy. And for the sake of not offending any soccer moms out there, if you want to Google F boy, you can. Um, but the essence of what she was saying is that he thought he was out here saving the world and being nice and swooping women mm. off the feet. But he was really shiftless and, and up to shenanigans and really didn't have uh, the girl's best interest in heart. And I wasn't that far down the rabbit hole, but I definitely was unsure of where I wanted to go with this relationship. Although in the beginning, I was pretty sure I didn't want it to go anywhere. But I think mm. the physicality of the relationship kind of warped my mind and clouded my judgment. So it kind of lingered on way, 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 way too long. And the bad part about it is, like I tell guys all the time, red flags and red lights usually don't turn green. So when you meet somebody and you first get to know them, if there's red flags that pop up, it's pretty good chance that those red flags are going to stay red. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but yeah. we as people like to overlook them, right? And act as if they, things will change over time. So I think that's what happened with me. Like I thought that the things that I didn't prefer, the things that I didn't like, the, the issues that I had would somehow change over time if I stuck mm. around in that relationship long enough. You know what I'm saying? And so I just played myself. And long story short, uh, we, there was an official breakup of some sort. And what she told me was, You'll never find anybody like me. And my, my look, you know, and that Ooh, was that was that was the game. Did you see yeah, it yeah, with yeah. the color purple? That was it. That with was everything it. Everything you done to me come back to you. He, she hit you with that joint with the two saying, fingers up. I'm saying, and, and I think it worked for her at some time in the past. But for me, I was like, oh, okay, I can live with that. And then I also wow. told her, you know what? There's plenty of guys out there like me. And so it was kind of one of those things where I was trying to throw off her. Her, you know, whatever she's trying to put on me, hexing. her mojo. Yeah, she her hexing, with a doll. Right. There's and, a girl right now in Louisiana with a doll with JP <laughs> on it. Go ahead. And so, I mean, for you know, for the for the sake of time, it was one of those things where, because I was unsure of myself, because I didn't know what my future would hold, because there was a chance that she may do better without me, because there may be a chance where I may not do better without her, because there was a chance I was afraid that what being alone would look like. I stayed in that relationship for too long, and I didn't mm. have the the courage enough to cut it short much sooner than I did. Mm. Man, this is kind of painful. You know, that that relationship stuff is kind of low-hanging fruit. Um, mm -hmm. Sadly, apart from my 16-year marriage with my wife, the longest relationship I've ever had romantically was three months. So, uh, wow. yeah, don't judge me. <laughs> don't judge me. It's a safe place. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm thinking about just a different overstays in my life. And, and I do I have many overstays. I overstayed mentee, mentor, romantic relationships, and just a whole not even living situations. I think one that comes mm. to my mind is work situation. There was a position that I took with the belief 
that I would be contributing a certain type of job. They go, come here to help us do this thing. Now, initially, it felt accommodating. It felt consistent. It felt like, oh, you, this organization is really about the thing that they're saying they're bringing me in for, right? And so I acted accordingly um, and, you know, looked at my contracts and looked at all those things and go, oh, well, this is a great situation. But it became apparent not long into the situation that what they were saying was not consistent with what they were asking. asking. Okay. Right? Yeah. And, you know, being the person that I am, I go, well, let me just readjust, re-clarify, re-articulate what it is. Mm-hmm. And this, this thing where I thought, well, oh, we'll just go away, we'll work it out, move from, you know, this kind of like sense of like panic, like a small sense of panic of like, Hey, we need, we gotta need you to do these things to every few weeks. I'm having an emergency meeting with my supervisor. And I think in some ways the relational overstay for me was trying to make something work that was clearly not working. Mm-hmm. It's so clear that this is adding stress to my life, stress to my family, causing me to even question my ability just as a leader, forcing um, a situation where I have to operate more reactively than proactively. I knew something was wrong when I began to question my abilities that I have worked out for more than a decade, right? Mm -hmm. And my Mm skill set. And I just remember thinking to myself, man, this is really overwhelming. And this is not what I consented to. And this is not the contract. But I believed, oh, if I just stay, it's going to get better and it's going to change and it's going to be those things. And really what, what truly ended up happening was it got to a point to where we finally had to part ways forcefully, right? Yeah. And I look back at it now, all the signs had been there and everything that I was initially brought there to do I then became reduced to simply being a person of color working in a organization. Mm. And my overstay created a sense of burnout, a a sense of like questioning my confidence Mm -hmm. and forced me to ask myself, do I really believe that what it is that I'm supposed to do in the world, I'm supposed to do the world. So yeah, that's just an example of one of my overstays. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, man, it's crazy because people will overstay jobs because of job security, right? Like you're saying, um, people will overstay jobs because of fear of being entrepreneurial, um, fear of the unknown, not knowing, you know, where the next meal is going to come from. Uh, People will overstay jobs because it's a good thing and they get a big check. I mean, I I see a guy um, who is a very high powered attorney. And he hates his supervisor. He hates his job. Uh, He hates a lot of things about what he does. And he could do a lot of things. I mean, that dude got a a law degree, right? And he's got a resume. But he's got golden handcuffs, as we call him. He's got the house. He's got the car. He's got all the different things that keep him having to keep going to work every day because he's got bills to pay. And the issue becomes with overstaying relationships or relational overstay is that we put these handcuffs on ourselves 
whether it's emotional handcuffs because we've been around this person so long, we feel obligated to love them or to be around them or to never let them go. If it's a job position because we got things that we like to buy and vacations we like to go on. Um, If it's personal relationships, because maybe this person has a little bit of clout and being around them gives you a little clout. You know, there's there's a lot of situations in which we overstay and we just don't let it go because we are selfish. (laughs) And you know what I'm saying? Well, can I add this this piece? You can overstay your time in a faith community. You know, it, mm. to me, that is a profound thing because, you know, the the Bible, if you are Christ follower, right? You're, yeah. uh, Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua, right? Yes, yes, yes. You believe that the creator is never changing. So you then equate whatever spiritual development for it not needing to change. And what I've seen in many ways is that even when trying to leave, what you know is no longer helpful in your faith, your spiritual, your soul care, people will have overstay because they feel an allegiance to the leader. Or people Mm. will have overstay because they have, that's the only place they've ever known. And they find themselves burnt out, disgruntled, going out of just routine, not out of passion, and one of the indicators I tell people that they have spiritual overstay is that they don't even have a desire to invite another person to where they are, mm. right? Yeah. They don't want anybody else to experience those things. And so I want to make it clear that overstay isn't just romantic. It isn't just professional. It also includes our spiritual or faith communities, which can oftentimes feel like you know, if you don't, if you if if you're not there, you just it's selfish for you to say that. You know, this ain't mm-hmm. about you, and that's true. It isn't about you, but it is about you at the same time, right? right? right. And I think right. that we've allowed ourselves to just be simply guilted back into being in a situation that we know is not benefiting us in this season of life, mm-hmm. and therefore we just try harder. We get more involved. We told her to volunteer more. Now, what <laughs> happens when you volunteer more? You try harder. And it's still no longer helpful, right? Yeah. And so I think I think being able to know the overstay can transcend any area of life. What are some things that you've seen? Just maybe maybe our listener doesn't know. Like, what would be some indicators of potential overstay or a relationship that needs to transition? It could be romantic. It could be professional. Either from the person who's receiving it or those whom you've observing and you're tethered to? What are some indicators of overstay? I think the biggest thing you mentioned is death, right? So when you Ooh. when you're overstay, you are spiritually dead, physically dead, not like physically like, you know, dead, but like you're physically Yeah, yeah, Michael Jackson. I, all I saw was Moonwalker. Uh, the, uh, the thriller. All I see the thriller <laughs> video. Go ahead. Your your energy is dead, right? Spiritually dead, energy dead, and mentally dead. So that's the the long the long term. I think mm. some of the the, the shorter things you can see uh, or the more present here and now things that are maybe overbearing is that um, you're overcomfortable in the relationship, right? So mm. if the job, you know, when you used to get there on time or early, now you're five minutes late, 10 minutes late, 15 minutes late. Um, you you dread being around this person or being at the job or, or, or spending time in the situation. Um, mm. You find yourself making excuses not to be in the situation or be around the person. Um, you see things as a burden, 
Um, so you used to love working at this nonprofit and, and serving the kids or feeding the homeless or feeding the hungry. But now, like, it's become a burden. And now when you see homeless people, you want to throw rocks at them as opposed to mm. find housing for them. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you just see your your attitude towards this thing has changed. The dangerous thing is that you you notice these things, but you think that you're going to you're just in a slump. And I'll just wow. overcome it. And if I, like you said before, if I work a little harder, if I do a little bit more, you know, some holes you dig yourself in, you're just going to keep digging deeper. Like there's no, you know, you can't going back to my low hanging fruit of the cult I was in. The the leader used to Wait, tell you was us, in a cult? You were in a cult? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. We've had this conversation. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you can keep rubbing that in. I appreciate that. Keep me humble. Listen, um, man, I've been a part of a few cults myself. Go ahead. Go ahead. I got, Go you. Ahead. I got you. So what happens is this dude used to say, um, we... Wear out, we don't rust out. (laughs) (laughs) Meaning to say, when you're feeling low, you just get busier. And I'm just like, bro, like, I'm angry all the time. I'm frustrated. I'm I'm moody. I'm temperamental. I have low self-esteem. I'm fatigued. These are all signs, right? Um, But you're telling me to do more. So if I do any more, I'm going to become suicidal. Like, real talk. Like, no jokes. Like, that's that's a real step. And that's a real progression when you've overstayed a situation. You know, that's a far Mm -hmm. end of things. But all of these things I mentioned, man, fatigue, burnout, suicidal thoughts, um, not wanting to be there, uh, feeling uh, oppositional whenever you're around or in the situation, um, making excuses for poor behavior or being late or not being on time. Um, you find yourself being irresponsible. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I could keep going, but I feel like I'm, I'm being Debbie Downer right now. No, 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 no. You're not being Debbie Downer. We just want to find the symptoms of relational overstay. You know, one of the things for me is whatever the purpose of the relationship is, no, it's no longer serving that purpose anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So if you did it because it was inspiring, it's no longer inspiring. And you did it because this is a person that you want to follow because they, they're leading you to where you want to go. What happens when they're no longer doing that anymore? Or a relationship. The relationship now becomes harmful to you. We're not talking about a marriage where you need to work out, you know, through counseling. We're talking about just a regular relationship. And so one of the clear indicators for me, I've had many a relationship, peer relationship, mentee, colleague, and associate, and mentor relationships. And I've noticed that is, for example, mentor. Okay. This is just a very perfect example. Mm -hmm. When we initially met and connected, it was great. And who they were is who I wanted to be. And so I spent close time with them. And I also relinquished power unto them because I wanted to be shaped and molded and refined, right? Mm-hmm. And after some while, I just started noticing, hmm, I think I've gone as far as I can go with this person. Mm-hmm. And it had nothing to do with me being prideful, me being arrogant, it had more to do with me being Mm self-aware. And me knowing that I'm no longer gaining the benefits of growth and change. but Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why I got into it, right? And so Mm -hmm. what I would say is one of the difficult things about relational overstay is you have to acknowledge what's already potentially clear and not so clear, right? You have to acknowledge that this person you've been dating for eight years isn't leading you to anywhere and it only makes wasting your time. Right. Yeah. It's clear, right? Like everybody asks you when you go get married. Everybody <laughs> asks, like, yo, what's y'all title? And when's the wedding? You don't have yeah. any answers and y'all live together and you're just trying to manage your bills and you splitting the rent. And yep. this relationship isn't moving any closer to matrimony, 
than what it was when you were just dating, right? Yeah. Or that mentor who you yeah. used to look up to and love. What is, what's the saying? What happens when your idols become rivals? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. No one prepares you for the idea that maybe one day, maybe y'all, I want the audience to hear this. Sometimes the people you idolize can become your rivals. Right, and right. it's a strange thing. And so for me, relational overstay is me not being self-conscious, but me being self-aware to say, hey, this was one once a mentee, now they're a peer. This was yeah. once an associate, now they're just someone I knew. This was once yeah. a mentor, now they're just a colleague, right? Like you have to be confident enough and aware enough to know where these relationships go. Otherwise you would do two things, one or two things. You'll create burnout for yourself, right? Yep. Or you will find yourself being very bitter towards that individual, right? So you act out, right? So, you know, if I can be very honest, I've acted out when I felt like the oversay was happening and I gave too much power to the person. Now I got to act out on them. Right. And, and, you know, it's shocking. Right. Then it's like, then you get all the labels and something's wrong with you and you're arrogant, blah, 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 blah. And really what it is, is it's relational overstay. I stayed too long in a certain position, didn't know how to rescind my power that I had lended because it was no longer there. And then I found myself in what in my, and this is the best way I can say this, with my back up against the wall in a corner. And now I got to come out of fight. I got to, I'm not self-aware enough to know how to navigate these relationships. So now I got to fight you. And now it has to look very nasty in order for me to get some relational breakaway. What do you think mm-hmm. about that? <laughs> this idea of knowing when to transition a relationship. Yeah. What have been some ways that have been successful for you that you go, man, I've successfully done this or I did a poor job in transitioning yeah. this to not have relational overstay. Man, one of the things you said towards the end of what you're just saying is like it reminded me of all these people you see like that are, you know, movie stars, superstars, whatever. And they have these nasty divorce breakups. Right. Mm. Like like Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt or, you know what I'm saying? Hulk Hogan and his wife, you know, people that you look up to and like, yo, they, they seem to have it all together. And you're like, oh, yeah. no, they they really don't. Right. Mm. Or what happens is people start to do a revisionist history and rewrite their stories and be like, well, I never really loved you anyway. I always hated you. And it's like, no, that's not true. You're just in a bad space right now. Maybe you overstayed your relationship or maybe you didn't get a life coach or maybe you didn't get counseling. And now you guys are in this bitter breakup. Ooh, but ooh. I think what happens is, yeah, yeah. Um, flames. Why <laughs> I just hit the flames, y'all. Make sure you take notes. Go ahead. I'm just saying, while, while we stay around is like kind of what I mentioned before, um, fear of being alone. Hmm. Um, you're, you're kind of secretly jealous that they might outgrow you or they might do better without you. They might be happy with someone else. <laughs> when you realize you're no good for that person and you wow. realize they may be happy with someone else, people get bitter about that and they make them stay a little longer. Like, oh, you know what? Yeah. You think you're finna be happy? Okay, cool. I'm a dig hmm. even a little deeper. I'm gonna have a, uh-oh, baby. I'm gonna have a, you know what I'm saying? Like people do shady stuff. People do real sad stuff when they realize somebody might be happy without them. Wow. Um, that's why people... You know, people get their keys, they get their cars keyed, you know what I'm saying? Or get a rock thrown through their window or whatever. Like, hey, I'm going to cost you some money while you think you're out there living your life with your new girlfriend. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Um, that sounded real personal. I think I you're getting personal. You're going to hurt somebody um, in, the, in the gut with this. Go ahead. I understand. Um, 
one thing that you mentioned pre-show that I think is pretty good, and I, I think I'll you know uh, sit get off my soapbox, but it's it's when there's relational overstay happening. If there's somebody that's in the power that has the 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 bigger side of the power dynamic, yeah. um, it's it's it seems like they care, but they're actually trying to control you. That's it, right? That's it. Um, yeah, and if that's you let it. them, or if you're unaware of what they're doing, they will do just that. Yeah. Um, and I think that in order to come out of relational overstay, you have to be aware of when you're being controlled, uh, when you're being the puppet, when somebody's playing you like Pinocchio, or when you're doing that to somebody else, because you're just as wrong if you're doing that to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's beautiful is that sometimes relational overstay happens because you just want direction and you need direction and you feel, man, I just want to get clarity. And what can seem like care is really control. You know, I... I really struggle when I see people in positions of power and they're really micromanaging or they're really like dead set on knowing everything. Right. And I go, only God should know that. Only mm-hmm. God should know everything. Right. And what yeah, it yeah. does though, it feels like it's love. It's like a parent. It's helicopter parenting. That's what we call helicopter parenting. Yeah, if you, yeah. Anybody knows any of those, those terms, you know, it's colleges are now complaining about parents coming up to the school. Yeah, yeah. Right. So you used yeah. to just go drop college, your child right? off and from college, uh, now parents are imposing their authority even post the yeah. departure of their child from their home. And so yeah, guess what? Yeah. They just continued the reign, right? Yeah. And look, it looked real loving. They're sending you cookies, they're sending you a little dough here and there. You yeah, know, yeah. they're making visits, they they're buying you flights home. And yeah. really what what looks like care is actually a form of control. And here's how you know it's yeah. control. Because a person will not allow you to make your own decisions. Yeah. And if your decisions yeah. don't coincide with where they want to go, now you're rebellious. Now you're arrogant. And now listen, yep. and now they threaten to cut you off. And so one of the yep. things I would say is, again, back to the self-conscious versus self-aware, you know, we do need to have a sober assessment of ourselves and not think more of ourselves than we ought to. Yeah. But the word of God also says we shouldn't think less of ourselves than we ought to. Come on. Right? Yeah. So yeah. that means that when you sense, yo, this person who I love, whether it be a supervisor, whether it be a spouse, whether it be a parent, whether it be mm-hmm. a pastor or a spiritual leader, will mm-hmm. not allow the growth in my life to occur because it impedes on their authority, that's relational overstay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. When Mm -hmm. I can't have my own mind, but I have to, it's only acceptable if I move into this house. It's only acceptable if I worship like this. It's only acceptable if I do those things. And And I think what we have to do is free people from that. So let's switch a little bit more positively into some of the areas where you go, man, I I can see how this is a healthy transition. What are some some ways that people can positively transition and not just abrasively transition from relational overstay? Yeah, establish a baseline of your worth. Hmm. Um, and what once, do you mean? Once you, so basically know your value, know what you bring to the table, know what you add to a personal relationship, a professional relationship, a romantic relationship, and don't settle for anything less than that. Good. Um, it's kind of it's kind of what I said before. When you notice red flags, or when you notice things shouldn't go any further than they are, 
don't let them go any further than that. Hmm. If you have a boss that oversteps a boundary or if you have a coworker that says something crazy to you or people, you know, do things that are inappropriate when you're just dating or friends, they'll more than likely continue those things if you allow them to do that. Um, and so I think, you know, knowing your worth, knowing your value sets, a, sets and establishes a baseline of what you will take in a relationship, what's okay, what's safe, um, what's normal. Uh, I shouldn't say normal because people have varying ideas of what normal is. But when you have a healthy idea of your worth and a healthy idea of your value and a healthy idea of what you'll accept, um, you make sure that you base your your worth ethic, your relational ethic, your romantic ethic around that. Um, and I think that'll keep you from entering burnout. It'll keep you from staying in something too long that you shouldn't be in. Hmm. Um, and it'll keep you from a lot of heartache and pain. Good. Good. Yeah. I would say one one way that you can know it is realize you need people, not a specific person. And I think that the more you know this, you, you we can hold relationships loosely. Man, here's the truth of the matter. Everyone in your life at some point will die. Right? And I think mm-hmm. that if you build your dependency around grandmama, you build your dependency around that pastor, you build your dependency around whoever, you will find yourself in a situation where you do not get to experience the fullness of what diverse relationships can do to your being. And so Mm -hmm. know that you need people, not a person. Second thing is this, be clear about why you're in the relationship. Be clear about what it is. This is the danger of situationships. Situationships allow you to linger with intimacy and connection with no real label, right? We'll probably do an episode on labels, right? You need to know why you're in it so that when things are off or that no longer is happening, you can then begin to refine, readjust, um, reconfigure that which it is, or listen, or disconnect from Mm -hmm. what it is that's happening. And so Mm -hmm. know the purpose of that. Know the purpose of that faith community. Know the purpose of that. And it's okay if that changes over time, but you just want to be clear about the agenda. The last thing is this. Sometimes you have to take a short-term loss for a long-term gain. Let me say this again. We talked about LeVar Ball last time, right? Mm -hmm. His Mm short-term loss is ridicule. His Mm short-term loss is being misunderstood. His short-term loss is the fact that he can't automatically get a deal from Nike and then create a lucrative response. His long-term gain is this man has set new rules in the game of basketball for owning a business and creating an empire that goes beyond the NCAA and the NBA, right? Right, right. So sometimes you need to take that short-term loss, right, which is scary for the long-term game. Any other final tips for our listeners um, with relational overstay? Yeah, my final thing is really just knowing what you want to get out of something before you enter into it. And so Mm -hmm. what I mean by that is if you're going for a job, know what the goal of this job is, kind of what you said by knowing the purpose. Is this a stepping stone? Do I plan to be here three to five years? Um, Do I want to become the CEO one day? Um, Am I just here to kind of move laterally and kind of learn the business when engaging with the, you know, opposite sex for a relationship? It's like, hey, am I in a place of life where I'm thinking through marriage or I'm just looking for somebody to travel with? Um, Hmm. Am I thinking that I want to put a ring on it or do I just want to Netflix and chill? Hmm. Um, Am I thinking, you know what I'm saying? Like, Like, know what this is, one, so you can guard your heart and you can guard the other person's heart too and be upfront with that. 
And I think on a spiritual level, if you're in, if you're either new to the faith or you've been somewhere in a while and you think you may be stagnant, you don't really enter into a faith or to a church like, oh, what am I going to get out of this? But more so like, what does this place have to offer me? Good. and What can I do in the community? You know what I'm saying? Like, what are, what are they doing communally amongst each other and the greater community? That is something that I want to kind of co-sign and be a part of too. Good. Good. Yeah. And, and that could be very confusing, right? And it can feel overwhelming. So I have to configure that for the first time. And I would say, you know, sometimes you need a little help. Well, you know anywhere that people can gain help, JP? Where can they find a little help? Maybe a life uh, coach or some help. Man, I literally ran across this website the other day, uh, buildabetterus.com. Mm. Um, and you, you can go on there. You can see the team. They got life coaches. They got people that are ready to help you get your life right and get you out of that relational overstay. Mm, good. Because our job is to help you become a better you. So that we can become a better us. All right. Thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in to the Build a Better Us podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever podcasts are played. You too can become a part of the BBU Nation today by continuing these discussions on social media. Be sure to go like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter at Build a Better Us, and on Instagram at BBU Social. To keep up with other exciting events and resources, visit our website at buildabetterus.com. On behalf of the entire BBU team, we'll see you next time on the Build a Better Us podcast.